Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. So, As we begin today, I I encourage you to, again, like I prayed earlier, open your heart to let God speak to you because I believe that God takes the message and he customizes it for every individual. That's where I want our faith to be. So let's keep our faith high and believe that God is going to speak something and reveal something and challenge us today. In fact, today's message is, is less instructional and it's more of a challenge. It's a challenge for our own personal lives. We've just got online. I just want to welcome those of you guys who are uh, online here with our, with our streaming service. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. And those of you who are just now tuning in, I want to let you know next Sunday, the service time will begin for online at 11 o'clock. The live service begins at 1030, but online it will begin at 11 o'clock. So make sure that you get all of that down and set your clocks. You know, right, put it on your calendars as well so that you've got the right times, all right? Well, go ahead and open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter number 15, verse 21. Matthew 15, verse 21. Get your hearts and minds open to that because I believe God has something for you in there. Hold your place there. We're gonna be reading through a passage of Scripture I'm coming back to it constantly through the service. Uh, I'm in a series that's called Supernatural. And this series called Supernatural is about the supernatural work of God. But, But I want us to remember something, that the most incredible supernatural work of God above everything else is personal salvation. It's how God rescues our life. He literally erases the sin out of our lives and he gives us the opportunity to spend eternity with him in heaven. That is the most great, wonderful supernatural activity that exists at all. But today my, my sermon title is called Defeating Miracle Quenchers. Last week, I talked a little bit about miracles, and this week, I'm, I'm talking about it again, but, but I, I want to make this really clear. It's very important that we not just be seeking after miracles. That should not be our goal. I believe that to be an improper focus if we're just seeking after miracles. I believe that we should be seeking after, lifting up, and magnifying the name of Jesus because Jesus is the miracle worker. And again, the greatest miracle is the miracle of salvation through Jesus Christ, through his blood that, that was shed on the cross. So But when it comes to miracles, I know there are a lot of misunderstandings regarding how miracles work, and so I'm going to be diving into this topic again this morning. Psalm 77 verse 14, though, says something that that is... uh, that is just, it's profound, but it's, it's kind of the underscore of everything that I'm sharing today, and that's this. You are the God who performs wonders. You have made your strength, you have made known your strength among the peoples. The word wonders is also translated as miracles. God is a God of miracles. God is a God of wonder. It's the identity of God It's part of his identity to display his power and his strength. And he does it in various ways. He heals your your, your heart. He heals your body. He does, again, wonders and miracles. He does them in your life and he also does them in the world. And he wants to work miracles through you like I talked about last week. But 
I've noticed something. I've done a lot of missions work in other countries, and I've noticed that in developing countries, uh, miracles and, uh, and, and supernatural activity of God, it's actually very, very plain to see. We see a lot of it in, uh, in developing countries. And in fact, I would say amongst Christians in developing countries, it is rather commonplace. Uh, and, and it's funny because it doesn't really matter what kind of Christian theology the, the, uh, the church might be under, whether it's uh, Baptist or whether it's, it's charismatic or whether it's Methodist. I mean, they all believe, they just believe the Bible. They believe in miracles and miracles seem to happen quite a bit. Miracles and healings. Okay, but for some reason, it seems like God's supernatural power to work miracles and to heal people is more active in those places. And a question that I have to ask is, why don't we see as much of that in the United States as we do, and even in other wealthy nations, as we do in some of those uh, third world or developing countries? Now, I don't believe I have a complete answer for that today. I'll be, be candid with you. But I do believe it can be a couple of things. It, it can be reflected in the fact that wealthy nations like ours uh, that there, in wealthy nations like ours, there's a lot of churches who simply don't believe in the supernatural, kind of like what I explained last week, all the different belief systems that are here. But let me, let me also say this. In a sense, it's like I almost don't blame them because obvious healings and miracles in our culture is not that prominent. So they're not seeing it. They don't believe it. So they don't preach it. They don't teach it. And they even build their own theology around it. And, and, and even when they do see miracles or miracles do happen, there tends to be a lot of suspicion. Well, was this real? I, I've got to see several doctor's reports or, or I think this person might be faking. And th- there are a lot, there's a lot of that that goes on. Come on, you guys know that because you live in this land as well. So what makes us different? I mean, it could be our uh, Greek mentality of, of where we just, just really have to analyze everything. And we, we check everything twice. We, we like to, to critique things and question things. And, and possibly that's one of the reasons why doubt enters in and quenches our faith. Uh, could it be our abundance? I mean, we have great doctors and hospitals. We, we have some of the greatest medical facilities in the world right here, just a few blocks away. We have air conditioning. We have smartphones. <laughs> we have unlimited live uh, entertainment. We have unlimited uh, streaming entertainment. And all that stuff's good. That's fine. I'm, I'm grateful for that. But could it be that abundance is one of the factors? Because we just got everything. We don't need God. Well, I think that could be a factor. But in my study of biblical miracles, I found that wealthy people were also healed and they had miracles performed. Just like I talked about last week with Naaman. He was a wealthy, powerful, conquering military general. Miracle happened to him. Yet I also see in the Bible that there were small, low-income communities that uh, might, where people were, may have even been marginalized communities where they totally missed out on miracles. They totally missed out on healings. Nazareth is an example of that. No great miracles happened there in that small, isolated, kind of lower class village. 
during the ministry of Elijah throughout all of the land of Israel for years. They were suffering from a drought and it was hard times for everyone. And there were no obvious miracles that were happening in them, the great and small cities around, except there was just one known miracle. And that was this widow in a city of Zarephath, which was outside of Israel. I mean, and, and you, you look in the New Testament, you see God uh, powerfully work through the gifts of the Holy Spirit in some of these Greek oriented, Greek thinking types of churches like Corinth, which I spoke about earlier. And that's probably the most striking example. So what is it? So I, I, I'm, I wonder if our philosophy of like, well, why doesn't this happen in our land? Maybe we've got the wrong reasons. And I want to share with you what I believe God's put on my heart regarding this. And I want you to get a new perspective because it's critical for us to do this if we're going to understand miracles and even open our hearts for miracles on a different level. So in order to do this, you've got to kind of take yourself out of this 21st century American U.S. culture, and we've got to go back to the scriptures. That's, that's our foundation. That's always our foundation. And let's go back there and look. Why did some people not experience healings and miracles, and why did other people receive them? And then we need to take a look at what we find there, and then we need to put it back on the grid of 21st century America, and then see what it exposes about us. Now, in this sermon, as I'm preaching today, if you start thinking about other people and thinking, well, I, I, this person needs to hear that, or that person needs to hear that, don't, don't, don't go there. Let God speak to your heart and your life today, okay? So first of all, let's get back to the basics. And the, the, the basics is this, is we need to defeat the miracle quencher of doubt. And it's very simple because faith in Jesus is our weapon. That's, that's what we have to begin to defeat, defeat doubt. Now, I've talked a lot about that already, and faith uh, does sound rather simple, and, and it is, but having faith without doubt can be tricky sometimes. I'm going to talk about that today. See, Jesus, <laughs> he was always on to his followers. He was always on to his disciples about their lack of faith. Now, think about this. And we, we can go, yeah, those disciples, those guys, they just didn't get it. Come on. They actually lived with Jesus 24-7, the Son of God. So if they had struggles with it, well, we might as well. One day near the end of Jesus' ministry, he was, uh, he was in this place where he was defending his spiritual authority and he was also preparing his disciples for the time when he was going to be gone, when he was going to be departing. And he said this in John 14, 11, look at it on the screens. He says, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves, the miracles, because they had seen incredible miracles. He's talking to his disciples here, okay? He says, truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, which is one of the most profound statements that's in the Bible, that God actually sees this. God actually works through us to do even greater works, greater miracles than he did. But where are they? That's, that's the question. That's what I'm talking about today, all right? He says, he will do also and greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, this I will do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So 
Based upon that, if you're a believer, I'm going to want some feedback here. I'm going to need your help with this, okay? But I want you to put those quotes up there on the screen, and I want you to read this along with me. It says, if, come up, put it up, if I have faith in Jesus, there we go. See, if you do like that, it really helps sometimes. (laughs) Okay, if I have faith in Jesus, say that with me. If I have faith, come on, say it again. If I have faith in Jesus, okay, say the next one with me. I can work miracles in his name. Come on, say it again. I can work miracles in my name, in his name. And then the last statement is this, even greater miracles than Jesus works. Say that with me. Even greater miracles than Jesus. So you've read it. You've heard it, you spoke it, so you do, you believe it. Again, faith comes by hearing by the word of God. That's actually the beginning of faith right there. But back to my original question, why aren't these kinds of miracles happening all around us? And I think it's a good question to ask. I think it's a, and I don't mind taking on the the tough questions because something might not be quite right, but ultimately it has to go back to faith, because faith in Jesus is the foundation of miracles. So I came to realize that there really is another miracle quencher that we don't talk about very much, this miracle quencher, which can really douse your faith. And the term here is pride. It's pride. So my big challenge for the day is to defeat the miracle quencher of pride. And we do that with humility. Humility becomes the weapon against pride. Now, there are a lot of angles you can look at this from, and I want to share this with you here today because yeah, I, I want you just to think about it. Think about it this way. You, you had to humble yourself, and you had to muster up enough faith when you gave your life to Christ and asked Jesus to forgive your sins. You had to humble yourself when you were baptized in the baptistry and to make the Lord, make Jesus Christ the Lord and the CEO of your life and to make that public profession of faith, that took humility, right? You had to demolish pride to do that. So it took faith and humility to move forward for the supernatural work of God to happen in your life. So we know this much, faith and humility, they work together. And in our nation, there's not a lot of humility, right? When I mean, we just don't see it a lot and we're, we're tempted with that as well. Because if you had pride or arrogance, going back to salvation, you never would have given your life to Christ. You would have never been water baptized. So, so you know there that if you've given your life to Christ, if you've chosen to be baptized in water, faith and humility is already working in you. So I want us to take that activation of faith and take it to the next level. Because God measures his greatness not by the things that he does around us, but what he does in us. And that's what's critical here. So I want us to take a look at what the Bible has to say about living out humility. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. We're going to start right there. It says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, being diligent to keep the unity of the bond of peace. Now, this is a way for faith to be working in a church. And Paul wrote this to the church at Ephesus. So humility is fueled by bearing with each other. It's fueled by love and it's fueled by maintaining unity. So the question I have to ask you right now, I want to challenge you with this, is are you bearing with other people, other believers in love? Are you bearing with the ones who have even wronged you? 
Or have you blown them off? Are you keeping the unity of the spirit within the local church through the bond of peace? Or are you using words and actions to create division? See, this might be right here why Americans don't see as many miracles as we would like. We're too busy demanding our rights, giving our opinions, and being obnoxious with our attitudes. And nobody's saying amen, but I'll say it for me, amen. <laughs> James chapter 4, verse 10 says this, humble yourselves. Two important words. Don't ask God to humble you because that, that, could, be, that could be really intense. But humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord. That means where the Spirit of God dwells. And he will lift you up. He'll exalt you. And then right along in that same passage of Scripture, he says, do not speak against one another, brothers and sisters. So humility and keeping a tight rein on our mouths when we're tempted to talk down to others and even about others, those things actually go hand in hand. You might say, well, well I don't slander. I, I just tell what, what I know from reliable sources and I just tell my close friends so we can uh, pray or, or I just tell my spouse. But if that sounds like you, then humility might be an issue with you personally and the Lord just might be speaking with you today so that your faith can increase and you can begin to see miracles happen in your life. Now take a look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. It's up here on the screens as well. He says, to sum it up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, loving, compassionate, and humble, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you will call for the very purpose that you would inherit a blessing. Now look down at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. This is good. He says, clothe yourselves with humility. This is the same thought process here. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God is opposed to the proud. That's serious business. But he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves. We're seeing it again. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you at the proper time. Having cast all of your stress, your anxiety, your fears on him because he cares about you. Okay, so did you see this? Essentially what this is saying is God lifts up those who are living with humility. As Jesus walked the earth, I mean, he had these huge, great healing and miracle crusades and, and, uh, and, and, and he healed Jewish people even from time to time. He just met along the roadside during his travels. But there was one time something very, very different happened. And when I first really read and studied this, when I was about 16 years old, I remember coming to my father uh, who was a pastor and, and I said, Dad, this is a very strange passage of scripture. I don't understand it. And he explained it to me and it has stuck with me ever since then. I want to show you, I, wanna, I, wa I want you to see what God revealed to me when I was 16 years old. You see, it, 
at this time, Jesus withdrew. There's the scripture we're going to read from Matthew where Jesus withdrew, which means that he was taking some vacation time. He was out on the Mediterranean coast. He was enjoying some beach time with the, uh, with the disciples. He was away from his area of ministry. This story picks up in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. So get that and hold it there. But this is a setup for one of the most intriguing actions in the ministry of Jesus. It's one that in my opinion, directly addresses the issues we are experiencing today in our culture of how miracle works, how miracles don't work, and how faith works along with humility. All right, take a look at it. Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 says, Jesus went from there and withdrew into the region of Tyre and Sidon. It's again, that's the Mediterranean coast. It's vacation time. And a Canaanite woman from that region came out and began to cry out saying, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon possessed. But he did not answer her with even a word. So Jesus totally ignores this lady. She's calling out her, uh, his name. She's calling him Lord, son of David. She needs mercy. Her daughter's demon possessed, but Jesus didn't pay attention to her, which is the first challenge with pride. Pride flares up when you don't get the attention that you think you deserve. That's good. You know, any good Christian would just stop and help her, right? <laughs> Especially a preacher or a prophet or I would say even more so the son of God, God incarnate right there. But Jesus didn't answer a word. You see, faith quenching offense can happen when you're ignored, when you feel passed over, when you're not getting the attention that you feel you deserve. And, and, and you can also, though, at the same time, have humility like this woman and resist your pride. You'll see how this thing plays out. But, but it doesn't end there. It gets worse. Look at the second part of verse 23. It says, and his disciples came up and urged Jesus saying, send her away because she keeps shouting at us. Do you see this? The disciples flat out reject her. Here it is. The most wonderful ministry team in the history of the world ever, ever, ever is right there. Jesus is there. And these, this ministry team is now counseling Jesus to, to, to just tell her to go away. Tell her it's vacation time. Her crying is really annoying to us. I mean, we've, we've been hearing this all the time. We're, we're here to try to get away. How can we unwind with this woman and all of her yelling? And something similar may have even happened to you as well, which causes pride. See, because pride flares up when you're rejected by people whom you esteem. You know, someone you really look up to, and they turn their back on you, and it hurts. You needed help, and uh, you needed a miracle, but people even of faith reject you. See, faith-quenching offense can enter any time when people whom you esteem, when they reject you. And at this point, pride could have just literally consumed this woman, and her faith would have been doused, but it didn't, and there's more, though. 
Take a look in verse 24. He says, but he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Wow. If you read this correctly, what Jesus is saying is she is the wrong race. She's a Canaanite. She wasn't Jewish. He's saying, I'm called for the Jewish people. She was a full-blooded Canaanite was simply a Gentile. Most of y'all in this room are Gentiles and she's from a wrong country. So Jesus' ministry at that time was strictly to the Jews in Israel. That's all it was. And the way it comes across is that she isn't good enough to get a miracle from a Jew. Now, from the perspective of that culture, this again would have been the norm. But maybe something like that has happened to you. See, pride can flare up when you're told you're not good enough. I'm not called to minister to you. You're, you're not part of my group. And that's when faith-quenching um, offense, it can enter in so easily into our hearts when you're told that you're, you're, you're an outsider. I mean, think about this woman. How did she feel at that moment? Look at it. The scripture's powerful. I mean, she was literally taking a verbal beating from these guys. And, and, and these types of responses should have quenched her faith. Because if it was me, I probably would at that point have just popped off and walked away full of angry pride. And if it was you, you may have done the same and posted a video of the whole thing on TikTok and Instagram. I'll show you what these guys are really up to. But she didn't. Thank God that she didn't have a smartphone at the time. But we have the Bible and the disciples witnessed that this happened. You know, one of the things about the beauty of the authenticity of the scriptures is the disciples actually, this is actually written in the Bible. Matthew actually put this in the Bible. He was there, he saw it, he experienced it. And that shows you that they're showing the rough side of this ministry. Take a look at verse 25, because she didn't back down. It says, but she came and began to bow down before him saying, Lord, help me. So she's begging, bowing down on the ground, not allowing offense and not allowing pride to hook her and reel her in. You see, she needs a miracle, which is our lesson today is that humility ignores offense because offenses will come. When you get offended, it's your pride that's raising its ugly head. And if you really want to walk in faith, seeing God work miracles in your life, then offense and pride, it can have absolutely no place in your heart. And if it's in your heart, it'll come out of your mouth. You just can't let it be there. And I ask you to begin to pray, to ask God to, to, to convict you of any offense and pride that's in your life. Verse 26 it just keeps going. Yet Jesus, he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. What in the world did he just say? I mean, this story is getting out of control. Yeah, Jesus essentially calls her a dog. Now, please understand in that culture, the Jewish people use that term regularly to refer to Gentiles. It's common throughout the whole Bible. And Jesus, I guess, in the custom of the day, testing her faith was using that term, insinuating that the Jews are the children and that she is like the dogs. 
under the table. The children are eating at the table, but the dogs are under the table. How would that make you feel? You see, pride flares up when you're demeaned. When people call you names, people mock you. It's easy to let that pride flare up. It's easy to pick up a faith-quenching offense because the American thing to do is like, well, I'm going to fight back. Our culture says, stand your ground, fight to the end, refuse to be demeaned. But could it be that that fight-back philosophy is also killing our faith? Could it be also that what you're experiencing, the way others have hurt you, is just simply God setting you up and choosing so that you can choose to build up your faith in humility and reject the own pride in your life. And, but the problem is we just keep fighting and fighting and fighting. We remain in our engage, in, engaged in these offenses toward other people. So I guess the real question to consider is, could this pride be why Americans don't see as many miracles and healings as we'd like. I believe we need to increase our faith, and we do so by engaging humility. So I'm going to challenge you with this. Increase your faith by humbly refusing to get offended. Just make that your, your, your declaration. Make it your motto. I choose humility. I choose faith. I choose to reject rejection. I choose to live offense-free. So after these tests of your faith, you'll begin to shine. And I believe you'll begin to even see more miracles in your life. And after these tests of faith for this woman, I want you to look at her response in verse 27. So she speaks up and she said, Lord, yes, Lord. So she's agreeing with what he just said. Yes, Lord, but please help. Look at this. This is so humble. For even the dogs feed on the crumble, crumbs that fall from their master's table. She was unoffendable and she is an example to us. She chose her, her humility instead of pride, which caused her faith to grow and her faith was just bursting at the seams. She had faith for a miracle for her daughter and she wasn't going to let offense and pride stop her. So she stayed focused on Jesus regardless of the opportunities that were around her to defeat her faith. And that's a challenge for us as well. Increase your faith by focusing on Jesus, not the other stuff that's going. Jesus is the one who we look to. Jesus is the one who is your healer. Jesus is the miracle worker. Jesus is the deliverer. Jesus is the one who quiets the wind and the waves. Jesus is your only hope. So keep your eyes on Jesus regardless and let the offense and let the pride go. Verse 28, it sums it up beautifully. It says, Jesus said to her, oh woman, your what? Your faith is great. Her faith, again, was displayed by her humility. You get it? By her, by her refusing to latch on to opportunities to get offended. So he said, a woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed at once. That means before she got back home, her daughter was free from the, the demons that had been plaguing her. You know, there is solid spiritual and scriptural evidence that sometimes, sometimes before God works a miracle, there's going to be an offense to test you. And you really don't get to that place of 
true humility until you defeat your own pride and just come after that pride in your life. And I think pride is most tested through offense. That's when it's really, really tested. You'll know if you have pride that's dominating your life if you find yourself easily offended and you can't help but just popping off. You know, when we get to this point where we're saying, I'm not going to do this anymore, that's when we begin to turn everything over to the Lord. And that's when grace enters in. That's when our faith in, in grace in Jesus, it grows and, and, and humility begins to take over our lives. It doesn't mean that you have to walk with your head down and your shoulders slumped all day staring at the ground. No, I mean, still carry yourself like you always have, but you walk with grace. You walk with humility. And you might be praying, you might have been praying over and over and over, God, bring a healing. God, work a miracle, but you've been holding offense in your heart against someone who has wronged you. And that miracle and that healing isn't happening, and you begin to wonder, is there some kind of a spirit that's resisting me? I've heard that before. It's like, there's probably a spirit that's resisting me here, and yeah, it could be, but, but it very likely is a spirit. It's the spirit of God. Did you know that James chapter 4, verse 6, six says that God resists the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. See, humility forces you to take your eyes off yourself and get your eyes on Jesus. Your emotions are no longer controlled by what someone said to you or what someone did to you. Because when your emotions are controlled by pride and by offense, conversations, they get rehearsed in your brain and you concoct these worst case scenarios and you, you begin to develop all of these scripts of the things that you're going to say. Your emotion swells and your pride grows and you say, nobody is going to treat me that way. I'm going to say this and this and this. And you even begin to write down ideas of what you're going to say. And what you're doing is you're actually canceling out your ability to receive the grace of God and the peace of God and his healing. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus himself could not perform very many miracles in his hometown, Nazareth. Why? It's because the scripture says people were offended at him. They were offended at him and they didn't honor him. So their faith was neutralized. This is all through the Bible. See, the potential for miracles is quenched because of pride and offense. To wrap up, I want you to look at this scripture, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13. Let's go back to the Old Testament because this is good. It says, God says, if I shut up the heavens and there's no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or I send a plague among my people and my people who are called by my names, by my name, humble themselves. That's it. See that? Humble. Humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from wicked ways, wicked lifestyles. Then will I hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and I'll do what? Heal their land. Do you want to be healed? Do you want a miracle from Jesus? Then I want us to search our hearts for pride, for offense. And then... I want to speak to men for just a second here. The Bible even says that if you are so prideful that you're not even treating your wife with respect, it says that your prayers are hindered. This is serious business. We need humility because we need faith. 
So we've got to pray. We need to seek God. We need to turn from wicked lifestyles so that we can be healed. And I desire that for you. I desire that for us. So I'm going to ask God to convict me, for God to convict. And will you ask God to convict you also of any pride that's in your life so that you can begin to deal with it and then watch God begin to work miracles. Come on, let's turn this into a house of prayer right now. If you're watching online, I want you just to pray with me. God, God, I just pray right now. We just pray together, Lord, that you will work in our hearts, convict us in our hearts for any any pride, any sense of arrogance, any uh, just positioning of ourselves of I want my way and, and I think this or I believe that and this is what I'm going to say and I'm going to stand my ground. God, help us to walk in humility even when we've been wronged, even when we've been wronged by someone we've esteemed or, or been spoken to in a, in a horrible way. God, let us be wise enough to release it. Let it go. God, we choose even through this prayer to humble ourselves under the hand of our mighty God so that you can hear us, so that you'll forgive us, and so that you'll heal us, heal our land, heal our homes. And God, I pray that as we become a people who are offense-free, as we become people who are not walking around carrying pride, not carrying a chip on our shoulders, that you will release your presence, your healing, your life, and your ministry into our lives, into our homes. God, God, let us be instruments of your healing as well, God. God, I pray that the miraculous will be released in our lives because our faith will be high because we have said no to offense. We've, we've demolished pride through, the, through the, the, the weapon of humility. We're standing humble before you. So God, work in us. Deal with us. And Lord, I pray that you'll convict us as well. Because every single one of us struggle with pride to some degree. Every single one of us struggle with those, those arrows of offense that come at us. So God, convict us and show us when that begins to take hold in our lives. God, give us the wisdom to repent and say, no, I choose to not go this way. And even go back to the book of Matthew and reread this story so that our faith can be built up. And God, as we do this, we believe that you're going to show yourself to be mighty on our behalf, that you'll, you'll literally forgive our sins, and that you will also bring healing to our bodies, healing to our home, and healing to our lives in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Will you guys stand all across the room right now? I want you to stand. While you're standing, would you just ask God right now to overwhelm you with his presence? Ask God to overwhelm you with his presence and his life, his peace, his strength, his favor. Come on, just ask God, 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 pour yourself out on us. Pour yourself out on us, God. Pour yourself out on me. Pour yourself out on me, God. Go work in my heart, God. Let me be a different person. Lord, convict me of the things, the attitudes and the words. Lord, the, the imaginations of, of, of trying to take revenge. God, God, let that stuff be swept out of me. 
Let it be swept out of me. We repent, God. God, we want to see your power move in our lives, and we don't want our lack of faith to be a hindrance, God. Let us be like the Canaanite woman. Let us be so humble that we don't care what others say, that we don't, we're, we're not against others, Lord, but we're for you, and we're walking in humility, and we're keeping our eyes fixed on you, Jesus. So let it be in our lives, in our families, and in our church, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said... Amen. Now, I want you to remember this. When we pray for people, we pray. If you want prayer at the end of the service, I'll be here to pray with you. But, but if you want prayer any time during our services, we, our elders are always here. We obey what God's Word says. It says, you go to the elders. You go. And, and they will pray for you and anoint you with oil. And the Scripture says you'll be healed. So we believe in miracles around here. And I want you to believe in it so much that you'll let pride go in your life and let your faith soar. Amen? Amen. Don't forget this now. As, as uh, We're getting ready for dismissal. Anthony, come on up. But uh, online congregation, I'm going to go ahead and dismiss you now. Remind you, 11 o'clock next Sunday we go online. Congregation, 1030 next Sunday is when our service begins. Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Church podcast. I would love for you to attend one of our worship services right here in downtown Fort Worth. So if you'd like more information, simply go to citylifefw.org. God bless.